He is the co-host of the Kirk and Callahan Show on WEI in Boston and the podcast host of Enough About Me. Kirk Menahan, it is an honor and privilege to have you on the podcast. How are you today? What is going on? It's been uh, uh, a long series of emails with no responses, and finally I have arrived. I counted the emails last night. There were 76 requests from you to me over the last three months, and I finally decided to come on and give you some, some, some of my time. What's up? I, I, I appreciate it, man. You know, the, your, first, your, first no mistake, your first mistake, honestly, was, uh, was responding. And then at that point, I was just going to yeah, continue the initial, to do Right, it. right. The, fuck, the initial, like, hey, yeah, like that's, you know, instinct, instinctively, despite what you might know or hear, I'm not a bad guy. I don't think and you I know are. what it's like. It's hard. I, I, I try and book these fucking, these podcasts all the time, and it's a pain in the ass. So when somebody reaches out, and, see, and you've had a lot of uh, good people on. Right. And when you reached out, I was like, you know what? I should do it. My reaction was to do it. And then shit happens. You run into this and that. So... You know, yeah, I get. Who you've had some? Who, who have you had on? Give me some of the names. Uh, see, uh, we'll we'll go. We'll start in Boston. We got uh, Shaughnessy, Bob Ryan. We have uh, your 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 former casting couch member there, uh, Alex Reamer, nationally. Uh, right. Frank DeFord, Steve Summers, Richard Dice. Uh, you know, uh, Greg right. Doyle. Lots of lots right. of people. So, Pearlman. So, so nobody, right. So no, so nobody, nobody any good. But right, yeah, right. there's a lot of names that people know. None of them are entertaining. So I finally uh, said, you know yeah. what. But I do get that. So you book this yourself? You do one? Uh, you do one a week? Uh, yeah. I, I listen. If I'm feeling really ambitious, I'll do two. But yeah, mostly once a week. Yeah. Well, that's, it's not. I give you credit, man. It's not easy. After a while, you're fucking. Obviously, you reach out to me. You're not a guest, so I am here to answer any questions you have. Anything you'd like to ask, I am happy to answer. All right. So let, let's start here. A few months ago, you were on the Bill Simmons podcast, and now you're on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Rank your level of excitement for both of them. <laughs> well, I hope I hope I, I hope the connection is better on this podcast. Holy than it was Christ, with Simmons. that was awful, man! I'm sorry. Uh, what the fuck? No, but it was funny. So uh, I was driving that day, and I told uh, Simmons, I was like, "I'll do it from the studio because I was going to be in the studio that day." And he's like, "You know what? Uh, don't worry, about it. We'll, we'll do it at twelve thirty. Call from wherever." I, I I hit a pothole right about where I am right now. I'm driving out of work Wonderful. right now. Blew a flat. Had to wait. Do all this thing. So I finally hustled. I found a spot called Simmons. I sounded all right, I thought. And on his side, sound, side, it sounded terrible. He's like, don't worry, we'll fix it. And I heard it. It was awful. But, like, level of excitement, I would have to say, uh, I've done a few podcasts, but to be on the Red Ticket Blues podcast is really, that's when you kind of know you are starting to say yes to everything and that you've begun the slow decline to mediocrity. So I think to be able to recognize that is a talent. So I'm happy to say now, I think I've reached my peak and now the slow yes, descent yes. to the world of I'll say yes to any fucking podcast you ask me to do. I think we've arrived now. I mean, it, it, in this week alone, I have done the Blind Mike podcast in Red Ticket Blues. What, what, I mean, what is, what is next? What, the, what, what really? What, what, is there anything lower than this? Uh, what, there's Rick probably got to be some sort of uh, maybe like local church podcast you could do soon to maybe talk yeah, about right, you know, the tenets right. of the I Catholic mean, yeah, Church, it, something it, like it, that. I mean, no shit. Jesus Christ. So, so let me ask you this. I, I go on iTunes, and there's, like, you, like you said, you were on Blind Mike's podcast affiliated with WEI and Kirk and Callahan. You, I see podcasts yeah. there. And you, you did a few Barstool yeah. ones. You did Bill Simmons. Why are you doing this now? Like, why, why are you coming on this podcast? Well, I mean, you asked. And, okay, you know, if you, if somebody like so, so I listened to a few, and I was like, you, you kind of know what you're doing. No problem. No sh- hold, on, hold, on, like hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You listened to a few of these podcasts? I did not. No, no you're I, such a See, I, I knew you were a liar. Do I really need to hear like another fucking Bob Ryan story about the Celtics in the eighties? Like I, I, my my life is too short. Yeah, know? yeah. 
But uh, but no, I appreciate the enthusiasm. You had, and you had a funny one the other day. You had a good sarcastic email, and I was like, you know what? I should do this. I, why, you know, I, I can. I am not fucking. I can carve out a half hour of my day to uh, answer some questions. So I'm. I am again. I will say, very happy to do it. No problem. Uh, where, where are you located? Um, I'm originally from Connecticut, but I'm out here in California now. Right, I saw the, the phone number. So where are you in California? Northern California, right outside of Sacramento. I moved out here. You know, I lived in Connecticut okay. my whole life. Moved out here. My wife got a job. So it's a little different, uh, but, you know, well, adapting. Yeah. Okay, but you listen. You still listen to pay attention to a lot of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Right? I listen to you guys. I listen to WFAN all day. I mean, so the same old, uh, you know, Northeast sports shit, so. Have you had have you had Carlin, Maggie, or Bart on yet? I have had Carlin. Okay, I think he'll be co-hosting the podcast with you in about three months, given the uh, Carlin, ratings of that show. So that'll oh be good. Man, you're, you're too fucking. Fr- uh, Carlin is a nice guy. Uh, he he's in a bad spot sure there, but yeah, I, I, you know I, what he is though. You know what Carlin is. I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but I I do feel like the times have changed in radio, and then when you sound like that on the air, like very Johnny Radio. I myself, as a listener, don't. I don't even hear the words they're saying. It sounds so wow, wow, like, like like talk like you and I are talking. Right. Talk right. like I imagine Carl talks off the like. Well, I don't. I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, that show's obviously a, a disaster, and you know, it's amazing to me how when you see these shows, I'm pretty good at predicting. When, it's one of my favorite things is predicting when the show is going to fail. I knew Mark Maloney was going to fail. I knew Mike Salk was going to fail. I knew that FAN show was going to fail. The first time I saw Greenberg, Rose, and uh, Beetle, I was like, this thing is fucking dead. I'm always amazed at how easy it is to predict failure for something, and yet people spend their time and money putting these shows together. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's part of the interaction worked because Kornheiser and Wilbon had chemistry. Like, you know, John and Jerry had a great show. Jerry and I do well. We have chemistry. Uh, I think even Felger Maserati have chemistry. I don't get why that's so hard to figure out. It doesn't matter how much you know about something. That's all. Who gives a shit? That kind of jumps in my first right. question here. Why, why do radio and TV networks push this shitty programming down our throats? Like, why, why do they continue to do it's this? It's a great question. It's a great, I, I was watching some of Get Up today. Why? And it's so uncomfortable. And you can tell, well, I mean, I was, I was on the air. Like, right, I'm right. watching it. Literally, I'm watching it, not listening to it. And I'm watching it and thinking, who, who thinks this is now good? Like, clearly everyone involved, Greenberg and Beadle and Jalen Rose and the producers and the writers and the – everyone knows it's a failure. But they're pretending it's not until they wait long enough to make it seem like it's not a failure so they get rid of it. It's so fucked up, and they spend so much money. And radio has these consultants who come in. Like somebody came and I've, I work with these people because remember now the people who own FAN own us. Right, right. Intercom. I know some of the people who got in a room in Intercom who got in a room and said, "You know what would work? Chris Carlin, Maggie Gray, and Bart Scott." Bart and, Scott. You know, Ugh. it has nothing to do with the fact. To me, it has nothing to do with the fact that they followed Francesca. That is a minimal uh, reason why it didn't do well. An excuse. I to, honestly, I would have said if it was my show the first day, somebody I liked, I would said, "Listen, I can promise you." This. We're not going to fucking fall asleep on the air. We're not going to be drawing on and on about horse racing. We're not going to be boring. We're going to be awake, alive. We're going to fight with each other. We're going to debate. There's going to be more than one voice in the room. This is going to be totally different than Mike Francesa's shitty fucking show. And so they came on. They're like, yeah, we owe him everything. He's the godfather. If I'm listening, I'm thinking, well, if he's so great, why am I going to listen to you fucking assholes? Like, it's, what's it's going on? Point. 
Um, let's jump back to ESPN for a second. You're talking about the just how, how yeah, awful, yeah. awful yeah. get up is. You know, I, I look at ESPN sometimes kind of like the, the Catholic Church to a certain point where they, they just move people around. They don't have to actually do their job or the, totally. even do it correctly. Totally. They just move them around and, and expect the same results. But the question is, why does ESPN do that? They don't get the ratings. I mean, why, why do they continue? Is this just for like woke points on the internet not, from, from Dice and Bruce Arthur? Yes, that's part of it. And part of it is, I think, political. They're political, their ideology. But I say this all the time. Like, the show that's going to replace Get Up is going to be, or whatever, the one in the afternoon now, High Noon, when that fails, Yeah, will be Michelle Beadle and Katie Nolan. And then they'll oh, move Bamani Jones to the Morning Sports Center and they'll put him with, you know, whoever, somebody else who fa- uh, with Michael Smith or something. And right. it's like, they don't, they just constantly juggle it put it together, shake it up, and pick two names out of the hat and just put them together when none of them, none of them have ever drawn a rating in their life, ever. And, okay, like, I get it. Like, you know, people who draw ratings are assholes and hot takers and flamethrowers, blah, 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 bullshit. All I know is when you go to dinner with your buddies, you're talking to them or whatever, or any, this guy cuts me off, are any of them talking about this boring shit that they talk about the ESPN? Absolutely not. I'll, I'll, for the life of me, I'll never understand it. So, We're talking about this today, Jerry and I, on the air. If you had to figure out what the what the yearly budget is for on-air talent at ESPN, oh I'm guessing it's over $100 million. Honestly. I, get up, if you believe what probably. television people write, is $15 million bucks. That's insane. It's insane. Crazy. But your, your show with Jerry, you guys actually get ratings, and you have made it quite right. clear you don't want to talk about sports. You, you, don't, you don't like talking well, about sports. Like, do you have to have this? Well, that's a little bit of... Go ahead. Right. No, sorry. But that's a little... Uh, here's what I'd say. That's a little bit of mythology that I have definitely drummed up. If it's the best story, I am very happy to talk about it. I have no problem talking about if it's the best story. If it's not the best story, if it's, in fact, the sixth best story, or it's boring, and there are three or four other stories I like more, why does the audience want to hear me talk about something I don't want to talk about? I've never understood that. So if the best story of the day is pick whatever, if Trump. the best story of the day is um, Trump or the Globe, something happens with the Globe, or you know somebody else, like the morning Matt Lauer broke for me too, we were on the air. Is that a better story, Matt Lauer, and you read the details, the sort of details and the cover-up in NBC and our passion and our discussion and disagreements maybe within it? Is that a better story than recapping a 7-2 Red Sox win? I'm going to say yes every single time. And I think as we move away from what was considered good sports talk radio, um, I think we understand that. And I, and I say it all the time. Our show is not a sports talk show. We're on a sports station. Right. Jerry's got a long history in sports. I have a history in sports. We're happy to talk about it. We're good at it. But if it's not the best story, I'm not going to be bored doing something. I think that's a disservice to Jerry, to me, to the producers, to the station, to the listeners, to the advertisers. I'm not doing it. So you you have that you must have an argument. I mean, you talk about it on the air, but I mean, in reality, how often are you arguing with your program director and and their bosses, which you rip daily? I mean, it, you you call your your program director one of the great snakes in history. I mean, forget all the personal right. insults. I mean, is it a tugging uh, back and forth every day of why aren't you talking sports? Why aren't you talking sports? Break down the red side. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's not so much. I would say our program director is pretty good in that he understands it's successful. I think. He would like us to um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Whatever it is, is, I think he'd like us sometimes to go back to it more than we do and say, you know, you can do this, you can do this. And the reality is, if we just talk, if we start tomorrow just talking sports, 
our listeners would go away, and then our program our program program director would say your ratings are down. Why don't you guys do what you did before? It works. So then we'd do that, and then they'd say, well, some advertiser doesn't like this. You can't win. But we're lucky in that we have great ratings. We've had them now for years. I mean, even with John, the last couple of years, the ratings are great. They've been even better since uh, Jerry and I have done the show together. In our in our our P1, our, our hardcore crowd who listen every day are incredibly, insanely loyal. So we have that on our side. And they don't, and those people have no interest in us doing uh, a, a, a Golik and, uh, and uh, Wingo show. They don't. They would, they would click, see you later, or go and listen to Matt Siegel or Toucher and Rich or, uh, or Satellite or, or podcasts or the three million other options that are out there. Now, you have to be entertaining right now or you die. The days of being able to get away with being boring in the old, you know, pre-satellite, pre-podcast, pre-whatever-you-want, pre-YouTube uh, era, it's over. You have to be entertaining. You have to be. You die. So, yeah, there's, there's these local ESPN radio all over, all over the country and whatnot. And you, you mentioned that you, you, you know, you have a sports background, but you didn't have to go that old route. You didn't have to go to East no. Montana and, you know, have the field hockey coach on nope. every Tuesday to break down the defense. You you nope. came up really quick and became popular very quickly. As I'm kissing your ass here, do you get resentment from like the just old and new guard of Boston sports media? Just like the quick rise that you went from doing fantasy football to uh, you know making serious cash and right. having a big voice. Well, I think I think there was that a couple of years ago, but I think now it, I've been so successful. That I don't think they can really. I think a couple of years ago when I started breaking out and I was kind of an asshole. They were like, what is this guy doing? I think now they can't really do that. I've kind of won that war, but yeah, you bet. I mean, guys like Andy Gresh and Ron Borges, I mean, they looked at me like Joe Haggerty. How dare you? you right, you didn't go and, and, and sit in the locker room at the, writing for the, the, the Daily Chronicle with you know 2,000 readers. And to that, I would say you're right, and that sucks for you guys. But in a way, I'm lucky I didn't do that because I think that drills boredom in your head. You know, I grew up listening to Howard Stern and Mike and the Mad Dog, and John and Jerry and the big show. And I knew within those shows what was good and what, what wasn't a good year for it. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I worked at this. You know, I also have been doing it now for 10 years. It's not right. like I just started true, doing true. it. Did a lot of weekends and a lot of filling stuff for years and, and waited for my turn. And when I got my turn, I waited and waited. And, and then I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. And I thought, I really did think it could work. The reality is, like, you know, Guys like Andy Gresh and Joe Haggerty aren't as smart and aren't as talented as I am at radio. That's okay. There are other things they probably do better than I do. But for what we do, I've been more successful at it than they have, and I've been as successful in this market in the last half decade as anybody. So, you know, that may change tomorrow. People may stop listening tomorrow, for all I know. But right now, for right now, it's working. So, so the old guard that may have given you shit in the past, you know, I had one of those individuals on the podcast, that being Dan Shaughnessy, and a lot of times yeah. that's brought up is is the Kirk and Callahan show fake? Is it real? Is it is Kirk is I, I asked Shaughnessy, I said, listen, is the Kirk Minahan, uh, you know, shtick where he's angry and everything? Is that real or is that just for the show? Because you've been on his podcast, you guys go back and forth, and he rips you. And I asked him, and I'll play it. This is about 20, yeah. 20 seconds here. This I asked him. This was, was his, oh, good one here, yeah. I have no idea what, you know, I guess it's worked for him and good luck to him. I hope he's okay and uh, it's not really worth paying much attention to at this point. So, uh, you know, Jerry's someone I have a relationship with and we were friends a while ago and and I, you know, I, I, I wish those guys luck. I just wish they'd lighten up a little bit and 
I'm not sure what drives the media on media crime. I guess that that sort of sells or whatever, but there's there's certainly a lot of it. Do you- so what, what, do you, what do you think about that? The idea that, you know, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Dan is, Dan is a different guy. He's, he's, he's from an older school. I mean, what, how, what is your relationship with Dan Shaughnessy? I'm rambling here. Just No, that's okay. Um, I'd say it's a complicated – when was that? That was about a year ago. Yeah, so we've had ups and downs even since then. Uh, I will say that Dan was one of – you know, when my, my folks passed, he wrote me a really nice note. That meant a lot, and I expressed that I told him that, and we had a nice conversation. Uh, but then he does these sort of things. He, Dan wants it both ways. You know, he'll take these passive-aggressive shots at social media and then act like, you know, when Aaron Andrews happened or when the stuff with Foray happened, and act like, oh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't mean that. Uh, but to act like media-media crime is not, like, he doesn't like it is not true. And he acts like he doesn't know why it works is not true. If it's done well, people love to hear it. I enjoy it. I don't... Like Shaughnessy, that I think when I've been down in the past, he's tried to stick his foot on my throat, and then when it, when it doesn't happen, I don't die. He tries to back off. So I mean, I think gotcha. he's kind of a fraud like that. I think he's, you know, I think he's still important in Boston. The order to call him on Brady this week that was still relevant. Shaughnessy, I think, is the last of the relevant columnists in a newspaper in this city, maybe the very last one. And I appreciate what he's what he's done, and, I, and I've enjoyed reading him forever. But I think he's an asshole. You know, I think he's an asshole. So, so let's let's jump off of that. So, you, your podcast, enough about me. You have guests on. Is is it every other week now, or is it every week? I, I always get confused. Well, or is it whenever you, you want. You may have noticed we've taken a few weeks off. Yeah, we've yeah. worked through some stuff behind the scenes, but uh, we'll be back. Uh, right now, it's every other week. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, every other week, I, I did every week for the first year or so. You know, honestly, between the show and I mean, I, I don't want to get, but I had some stuff going on with my parents and, right, right, obviously. and they, they were really sick. They were oh, unfortunately on passing away. And while that was going on, it was just too much. I was running between work and Mass General and Dana Farber and going home and having the kids. And it was just, it, it was just something I, and I wasn't that focused. I like doing it every other week. I like having guests on that I want to talk to. Uh, and in the next week or two, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it back up again and get going. But it's sort of. It's it's a it's it's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes at work too. It's just sort of unfortunately it's been a casualty of war, but I will definitely get back to it. It's great. I love you know, all I do is listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts much more uh, than I listen to sports talk radio. Much much more. Hundred percent. So you have like local people on, like yeah. either Shaughnessy or Chad Finn, or and then like national people like Dice or Peter King, and then afterwards you go on the air and just rip the shit out of them. I mean, do you get contact from them afterward and say, "Hey asshole, I came on your podcast. Why why are you ripping me to shreds I know. now?" It's- it's so fair. It's totally fair where I say they sucked or whatever. Not really. And I, and, and I would say, like, I give somebody like Peter Crick King so much credit. I have shit on him. We fought on the air two or three years ago. Uh, I shit on him all the time. Make fun of his column. Make fun of his fucking weight. I make fun of everything. He knows that. I called him up and said, you want to come to the podcast? I said, yes, right away. Owned his mistakes. Was awesome. Great. I love guys like that. Um, but, yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a fair criticism to say, like, Hey, fuckwad, you know, I'm not doing this. Uh, you didn't pay me for this. I came here for 45 minutes and took your dumb questions and listened to you ramble about yourself. And then you sit here and shit on me. That's, I think, a reasonable uh, criticism. But when they're good, what I like is, like, you mentioned all these guys uh, from sports. I like that, you know, and I, and I haven't done this too much lately, but if I pick up a book that I've read, you know, I don't care if it's about sports or not, and I just get, I want to have the author on, 
we have the Osprey. Yeah, talk, it's a yeah absolutely. That's I great. Like, that is great. I, like. I mean, I, I, and or, I'm not, I'm not sitting here to kiss your ass, but like, I've read some of the books based on your suggestions on those podcasts because I think that's interesting. You know, every podcast in sports has to be all about sports. We need the the, the beat writer, or the yeah, fucking why? Toronto Raptors, or who gives a shit? No one cares. So when I, you actually have people outside right, of the realm, anywhere. it's interesting. I actually thought for a while when I was first. So I signed a contract. It was like nine contracts ago before I, you know, moaned some my feet and got new contracts. But my original idea was to do just a book podcast where I would just have authors on all the time. But then I thought, why limit it to that? What if I want to talk to Dan or to Peter or to Bart Hubbock or Lenny Dykstra or Artie Lang or, you know, a guy from the E Street Band or from, or, you know, whomever. And I, and, I, and I love it and I do enjoy it. And I've gone away from it. And that will stop. And the, but, you know, I, it, the world is full of, Good podcasts that go away, you know? Right. That's, that's, that, that frustrates me. Like, I had this guy on a couple of weeks ago, this guy Jake Brennan, who does this Disgraceland podcast. Right. I don't know if you've heard it or Yes, not, I have. It's where he does all podcast. these stories about rock musicians. A really fucking great podcast. I had him on, and we talked about the podcast, and he, he got back to me and said, hey, just so you know, I've gotten a bunch of people say started listening to it because of your podcast. That's, that's and now his podcast is much bigger than mine ever was. It's awesome. I think that, that's, 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 that's great. Now, I would say there's, I don't know about you, but there's about 10, Eight or ten podcasts I kind of circle around and listen to pretty regularly, and uh, and that's 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 you know like I said when I go for runs now I listen to podcasts when I'm in the car if I don't like listen to on this on, on I listen to a fucking podcast. So I, I got I got another criticism of you here, and uh, I, I know you. I, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, here we go. All right, so you know you you say that you don't really. You clarified in a sense that sports, if it's not the number one story, I don't want to talk about it. You you like to dump on guests yeah. on the show in a sense that you don't want them there. But, Mr. Kirk Menahan, you, right. you tried out for the flagship show of idiotic sports, just minutia in first take a few years ago. So would you have become right. just like the enemy of what you speak of right now? Well, here's the thing. So I thought about that. And I can think of about – Two and a half million reasons why I might have considered doing that. <laughs> I could, that's completely but, fair. But I would say, but I would say, I thought I remember driving there that day, right, and thinking, I am going to try and change that show and ESPN best I could if I got it. The same way that I kind of tried to do with the EIs, I would dump on other ESPN shows while but, it was happening. Would they even allow that? Though? Would they allow that? Well, that's the question. That's the question, and I would say, you know. I would try and sort of, so when first take ends at the end of the day or get up, it just ends. Like they're done. We'll come back tomorrow and do the same shit. The thing I like about our show is that it's sort of a drama and that you say, okay, well, gee, I can't wait for tomorrow because this question is still lingering. How about this? How is he going to feel about this? Are they going to respond to this? Or ESPN, I don't feel that's the case. I feel like, like I said, the, the show's over. Close the book. We're done. See you tomorrow. Okay. I thought it'd be interesting to get some drama within that, you know, boy, how about the ratings for this show? Jesus, boy, really? They're going to get rid of Greenberg? What does Golick think of that? Why is he been quiet? You know, why did Stephen A. do this? I heard Tony and Mike are mad at each other about this. You never hear that about ESPN. And we know, we know. I have, I have read, written stories about this. I have, gone, I have made a lot of money off this on the air. I have podcasts. I know. We break down segment by segment in radio. I know if you do a good, gossipy segment that you care about, People are going to listen to it every single time. Every single time. 
So let, let me ask you here, completely removed from first take, which like you said, I mean, it, what they do is they, they open up a Jordan LeBron debate or, uh, you know, uh, the Mount Rushmore bullshit. And then they just just started again the next day, like as if it was never even talked about before. It's ridiculous. But moving away from that, Correct. I mean, you talked about how Mike and the Mad Dog were a huge influence on you. I mean, they're not exactly what you and Jerry do, but they're not first take. They're not strictly nope. sports. Do you think Francesa made a mistake nope. coming back? Well, I mean, I think he was probably bored. I think he realized, well, I like doing this. It's hard. It's not that hard. And I'm getting paid a lot of money. And now I'm sitting around. I have young kids. So I'm sitting around all day. I have young kids. Until they're home from school, you got nothing to do. Francesca's probably sitting around all day saying, you know what? No one is paying attention to me anymore. But I'll also say this. Like, he came back in the first day or two, there was some attention. I haven't heard Francesca's name mentioned in the last month. Like, I, I will like say... Back and made his, his buzz has kind of gotten a little bigger just because he's gone on Twitter, but I think it's the same sort of process. The fact that his first few days on Twitter got right. a lot of reaction. Now it's just an old guy right. tweeting about, you know, as if he's the... You see, Mike uses Twitter as if he's on the radio in the sense that he's the only one that has the information because he's mired in, like, 1980, where, oh, yeah, guess what? The game's rained out. Right. It's like, yeah, but we just heard from 17 beat writers that the game's rained out, Mike. You don't need to tweet that out. So the the it's kind of... The luster is kind of being lost there. Um, I did know this, by the way. I, I elected not to follow you. I did know that you don't follow me on Twitter. That's power. Move. That's absolutely well. Okay, that. that that's absolutely not true. Um, the, I have two accounts. One for the podcast, which I, I don't know if I follow you there, but my personal account, Brian Buck thirteen, I do follow you. So you've even said that you're getting bored of Twitter. Anyways. That's a must. Be. I what? You even said you're getting bored of Twitter. Anyways, you're, you're not as engaged. Well, aren't you? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, aren't you to some extent? Like, aren't you kind of like okay? Here we go. Big story of the day. All right, everyone weighs in. There's the fucking picture of Jordan crying. All right. And then, okay, uh, let's get this person fired. Okay, they're not fired. Uh, okay, this guy, okay, sarcastic thing about how much this guy is great or how much he sucks. And, like, I am. I like when news breaks. It's awesome as a newsbreaker. I am getting more and more tired of Twitter in terms of, like, it's bled into the, now it's sort of been a lot of, it's got a lot of the Facebook stuff where I don't, I don't give a fuck about you the, some of the stuff i don't it's it's predictably it's predictably exhausting is what it is it's predictably exhausting yes, right uh, but yet i'm on it all day so yeah same here same here i know i'm a complete hypocrite so let's let's wrap it up getting back to boston and the media there so you know they boston has this reputation of you know being this hard place to play as an athlete and they're just they're ruthless and bloodthirsty when when, when did the boston media go so soft is it is it the social media like we were just talking about twitter where everyone yes. you know just yes. loves each other and they're yes. all fanboys or is it also the it's winning simple. too it's not even it's not even so much that they love each other okay here's what happened is on twitter there's this thing called mentions and when you hit the mentions there are times where somebody says you're a fucking asshole or you're a sexist, or you're a homophobe, or you're a ra- whatever, and you can ignore it and know it's not true and mock it and laugh at it, or you can let it bleed into you and ruin you and check it while you're on the air and worry and then change the conversation because three people tweeted you said something that might get you in trouble and you get nervous and you get away from it. That has happened. That has ruined some sports talk shows, ruined them. It has also ruined, I think, I'm also lucky that I got in later, I think that guy, group of guys younger than me who are in their 30s and 20s, they've been raised on social media. They have no fucking chance. They were born with no fucking guts at all. Win the day. Win the day. The like you say, win the day. This is everything. That That is win the win day, the day. Twitter town. Yeah, like right, the Bruce Arthur world where it's like, you know, 
oh, why can't you just appreciate this? Why do you have to? Well, because we're fucking people. We're guys. We fucking shit on people. That's what we do. I never sit around my friends and say, you know what? Can we just for a moment appreciate what LeBron James has meant to us? Like, who's, yes. Here, like, here. Yes, yes. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's not. Now, do I appreciate that LeBron James is a great basketball player? Or Mario Rivera was great? Or Justin Thomas is great? Or whoever the fuck. Katie Ledecky is great? Sure, I do. But that's not what you do. That's not what people do. And, and then, in, and it's all. The social media to me is, is so pretend. That you just you look you look at it and you're like you know okay and then I get it you care more than I do that this guy died you care more than I do that on this day this thing happened you win you fucking win happy birthday to so up. and so right yeah thirty years ago today like right got it awesome you know I mean I, I you know when when so something will happen today Twitter will be awesome I, whatever it is and Twitter is incredible like you know whatever if um something is happening in sports while you're watching something else. It's great. You go right to it or news breaks. Incredible. It's a talk show host. I can't believe, I know Craig Mustard does a weekend show with you guys been there for like 3000 years. He's not on Twitter. He's proud about it. If our program director, my talk show host said he's not on Twitter, I'd say you're fucking fired. Get out of here. I think, I bet you you that's part of the stipulation for Francesca coming back. I bet you they made him get on Twitter and say, Hey, listen, asshole, you're going to come here. You're going to take half your salary. We're going to shorten the show and you're going to go on social media, whether you like it or not. Well, I know that's true. I know the social media okay. part of it's true. I know that for a fact. And you can't, you know, I'm on the air now. and I'm on Twitter at the same time. And I'm not, I'm not staring at it while I'm talking. But you check it every couple of minutes. Now, your producers, obviously, are on Twitter as well. But you're checking just in case, just in case something massive happens. I mean, I can't imagine, like, I think Greg Mustard reads the newspaper the, the, that morning and goes to work. Meanwhile, you know, the world might have ended overnight. And you're sitting there saying, hey, you know, gee. You think Eduardo Rodriguez is ready to step up? You know, it's like <laughs> fucking insane. So on your show, I mean, you guys, you guys don't do that, obviously. I mean, that's what makes you guys great. Um, do you, do you and Jerry? I mean, Jerry probably more so. But do you, both of you, do you get on your knees every day and pray to God that Donald Trump is president for content purposes on your show? Yes, yes. I mean, and I was a fool. Well, I didn't vote for him because I honestly, I have a daughter, and I could not look at my daughter and vote and, and be consistent about Me Too, sexual harassment stuff. And vote for Trump. But I will say, like, you know, from an entertainment perspective, is the greatest gift in, in talk show, sports talk, political talk, guy talk, whatever, cable news, the greatest gift in history. I think he's, individ- I think he's individually kept the newspaper business as alive as it can be. I think it would be totally dead right now if he didn't exist. We see cable ratings are through the roof. Our ratings have gone up since he was elected. You know, hits on these websites, it's yes. And just when you think you have Trump fatigue, just when you think I'd like a break from the guy, something happens like this week where you're like, this guy is the fucking gift that will never, ever, ever stop giving. I think he's just going to divorce his wife and try and marry his daughter. You know, it it never, (laughs) it never ends with him. Ever. He's kind of like uh, Francesa in a way. I think he kind of got bored. He gets bored in a sense and has to just do something. Yeah. Has to say something. Uh, So you, 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 you bring up Trump all the time. I am fascinated. Oh, one thing, one thing on Francesca, I forgot. There is an age, and I don't know what that age is, where when you're on Twitter, you don't know how to do it. I don't know if it's 58, 56, 62, 54, where you just don't understand. Obviously, you see it with Ryan. You see it with right. uh, Dino. You see it with Glenn Ordway. You see it with Francesca. I don't know what it is. Now, Trump doesn't really have that fault, like, to his credit, I guess. No, no, he's but much more hip like with it. There's an age thing where you... Where you Right, where you're like, you're sort of like, 
Francesco would be like, yeah, it would be like, you know, bad weekend of NFL, football season, be like week two, bad weekend of NFL games. Week three has got to be better. Like, it's just like, that was no pointless. shelf life yeah. means nothing. It's not, right, not interesting. Why would you waste your time writing and my time reading it? Where, you know, like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that is. And good writers, like Bob Ryan is the most conversational writer who's ever lived. And on Twitter, he's ter- a gammon's terrible. Like, I don't know Awful. what. What that is, I, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, Mike sometimes too. Uh, you know, he says pointless tweets like that, and he's also walking a thin line on the Jimmy the Greek moments uh, at at times. So I, I think Mike should maybe put down the glasses of wine. I think at times, maybe late on a Saturday Wait, night. Oh, racially, I don't follow. See, I don't follow him. Like not racially, racially like what? not racially, but like he says things with the Trump uh, angle, and maybe I'm just becoming that that desensitized. Uh, not desensitized, I guess I should say, where, you know, any mention of Trump is controversial. Maybe I'm overstating it, but sometimes I, I, I think he's just, he's not, I don't mean racially, but just sort of, he's walking a tightrope. We'll put it that way. See, my, see my, when you say I listen to Mike and the Mad Dog a lot and Cern a lot, what I got from Mike and the Mad Dog, first of all, was the conversational aspect. And secondly, was the, and they didn't do it, they would do it a lot. When they get away from the non-sports and they complain about their hotel rooms and the bus on the producer, or the program director, and Mike and Chris would go back and forth, and then, you know, Mad Dog would say, say something funny, Mike. That, that was my favorite Mike and the Mad Dog stuff. Right. That's the stuff that I love most about that show. And they could do sports all day, but when they were in Indianapolis arguing about hotel rooms, right. you know, you didn't hear that anywhere else for me, but Imus and Stern, and I do think Francesa learned a lot, good and bad, I guess, from Imus. I think he was a huge influence on what oh, Mike good says it all the time. I'm talking about Imus from 25 years yeah. ago. You know, there's, there's no doubt. Like, it's easy to bag on Imus. Towards the end, Imus sucked, and the record stuff was obviously stupid. But when Imus was, had Breen on and Bernie on, and when I was listening to it in the late 80s or early 90s, it was a good show. Great show. You know, it got obviously ridiculous, ridiculous at the end, but it was a good show for a long time. So the, you, you have a good show right now. It's June 2018. You, you, you are uh, getting it. Like I said, we'll start, kind of go where we started. You know, you, you get into arguments with the program director, whatever it may be. Do they ever say, does your family, does your agent ever say, Kirk, bring it down a notch or you're going to get fired. You are going to lose this job. Sure. That more, most Americans sure. don't make well, what you make. Like, does this happen all the time? All the times a lot, but there are okay. days where that happens and I get irrational and I know, I know that there'll be other jobs waiting. There'll be no other job. I'm I don't see you at Barstool, man. I don't, see you. I don't see you at Barstool, honestly. It just, <clears throat> you, you, you. Um, oh, I don't, I, 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 look, I love Dave and everything and I love the guys there. I think if Barstool, if I got fired from EI, I want to work at EI for the next 10 years. That's where I want to be. 10 more years, 12 more years, I'll be done. But if I got fired tomorrow and they said you're never coming back and Barstool called me, I think you're thinking of me in like these Saturdays or for the boys thing. I would, again, pizza within Barstool, I, I, I'd like to be the guy who shits on other people at Barstool. I'd like to be the guy who does my own show at Barstool. And where I, again, where I to wind up there. Um, but, you know, I'll never make as much money anywhere as I'm making right now. And I'll never have as much fun as I'm having right now because I love Jerry and I love as much as I make fun of him, Ken and Chris. And by and large, even now, they leave us alone. There are days, there are days where I get into these fights with management and they say, they will kind of say to me in a nice way, like, why are you, like, why don't you just kind of relax? Like, I get that you're, we love that you're passionate about the show. We love that you care. But does everything have to be a war? Right. And I guess the answer to that is probably no. Pro- probably the, the right answer to that is no. And there should be some perspective gain. But I get 
I still get so mad when I hear I mind the show. I honestly don't mind if a show sucks. I mind when the show sucks and, they, and people don't care about putting a shitty show on and sort of fucking the rest of the day and the rest of the station. I do get as close as I can get to offended. I get offended by that That's because when you're doing that, you're saying to everyone else, "Fuck you, we don't care. Go listen to something else." And you know, pick a time of day, whatever it is. If it's during the afternoon show, and they do that, the people are driving home have another station on when they turn the car and put the car in the next morning. That seems old-fashioned simplistic, but it's true. It does matter. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you know, in we have enough time to get into this whole thing. I'll be happy to come back on some other time if you want me. Awesome. But in 2018, the world we, the world we live in now is it, no matter what you say, someone's going to be offended. And if that somebody offended cares enough to try and get you in trouble, they can get you into some level of trouble. That's the world we live in right now. It's, and it's a crazy time where everybody, like I said earlier, and I've said this before, like, where it's like, okay, Roseanne tweeted out something stupid. She definitely tweeted out something stupid. Let's get her fired. And then the other side says, wait a minute, that's bullshit. So the B said this, let's get her fired. Then the other side says, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. Let's get this person fired. Let's get Rush Limbaugh fired. Let's get Kirk Benahan fired. Let's get uh, the Red Ticket Blues gone. Let's get Mike Fritz. Let's get fucking uh, Anderson Cooper fired. And to the point where you are left with Mike Greenberg and, you know, who, who fucking whoever. Katie uh, you know, Nolan, Jamel Hill, Hill and Molly Hill. Knight, all the fucking, you know, right, the usual where, suspects. Right, where, no, where nobody, nobody listens to them. But let's get them fired, too. And that's a scary time. But, uh, you know, what's funny is I was just in a meeting with, with corporate lawyers, actually, before I, that's why I was late. And I said to them, I said a couple months ago, I just kind of said, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be myself and. If people are offended by it, they're offended by it. And if somebody wants to uh, uh, take something out of context and, and email 47 advertisers, they're going to do it no matter what. If they hate you, they hate you. There's nothing you can do to, to, rational, to, to reason with these people. And I don't want to. I really don't want to. I want to do the show the way I do it. It's been, I think, incredibly successful. It's successful right now as any local radio show in America there must be a reason for that, you know? Absolutely. absolutely. Real quick, I know you got to run. I have three real, real quick questions no, for you. Ready? Go ahead. All right. Ahead. Now, you talk about you, you were younger. You were out in L.A. Uh, trying to be a screenwriter when you were. When oh, I, I saw I, that. Yeah, good. So, uh, you know, somebody asked the question, and uh, I don't know if it's overstated on, the, on, on your show or not, but uh, here's the question. How, how much did you spend on drugs in one night in L.A.? What's the most? <clears throat> well, I think the question was because I was tagged as the most money I ever spent on cocaine in a night. I didn't want to actually I straight up say that, that but I, I, can't, I can't answer that question definitively. I I, I don't know that. Uh, I had I, first of all, you know, it's funny. They always joke about being rich. I took no money from my parents back then. If you saw where I lived in L.A., and I'm at some point I get a couple of guys that live in L.A. and do an L.A. year years podcast. I lived on a couch for a while uh, with with four other guys in, 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 in the village, which was hell on earth, no air conditioning, like 140 degrees. And then when a couple of them moved out, I moved into a room and there's one of those rooms where I had literally had nothing but the, uh, but the mattress, you know, like just up to the floor. Right. And I would never change the sheets. The place is a fucking pigsty. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I to give you a do dollar total, I, put it this way, it was three figures would have been, a, would have been, would have been more money than I had at that time. Like right. I can't count the times. My check account says I have less than $100. Yeah, so you're no Rockefeller out there, understood. Um, so uh, no, no, no. There are some, there are some other questions that people ask that I'm not exactly sure if uh, these, these stories are legit or not, so I'm not going to ask them. Uh, 
But so, so I got okay. my, my own questions here. Who, if you could choose one person to have on the podcast, uh, who would it be? Did, you know, just anybody. It just you come here. For, forget your feelings. I want you here. He was born on September twenty third, nineteen forty nine, in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, I know who Christie. it is. That's what that's that's that is who I want to have on first, second, third. And by the way, are you a fan or no? Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I'm 37 years old and is finally listening to the Bruce channel on Sirius. I'm starting to get into him outside of just the hits. I'm actually right. starting to get it now. Right, right, right. What's funny about Bruce is he's actually sort of a boring interview topic. Mark Marin had him on. Actually did the best job I've ever heard anybody do with Bruce. I was so – I was running. And I ran faster that day and angry. I was so fucking upset that somebody got to interview Bruce Springsteen like that. I was mad. Uh, it would be Bruce. I would, it would have to be Bruce. Second, probably Bird, I guess. I'd say probably Bird would be second. Not Jamel Hill? Uh, no, that's a good – excellent. Very good. Yes. yes. Uh, good job by you. Good job by you. Thank there. you. I appreciate that. Um, and last thing, who, who is the biggest pansy athlete in the history of Boston sports? I think we're watching it right now. I mean, pansy, I don't know about that word, but I would say the <laughs> softest athlete I have ever – I've lived in Boston – for 38 of my 43 years, is David Price. I have never seen anyone treated like this. He's coddled by the media. Carp- mild, car- mild carpal tunnel syndrome. Social media, he blocks everybody. He's a child. It's going to end poorly. I, don't even, I honestly don't think there's another candidate. I think we're seeing somebody blow it away by far. You can follow him on Twitter, at Kirk Min. Again, Kirk and Callahan and the podcast, Enough About Me. Kirk, thanks for coming on the podcast. Anytime, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Okay.